What do you think are the top risks in valuing a property incorrectly? Hi, I'm Jared Krause. And I'm Sam Power. And we're the hosts of the Prick Pals Australia podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing uh, my four key elements of assessing a, a property, which is location, land size, the improvements, and the market conditions. We also touch on um, the importance of understanding things like days on market and also floor plans in this episode. Yeah, it was cool as well that you discussed some examples. One um, of my cousin buying in a very hot market and um, how to value a property based on that hot market and where you can get caught out with agents and how important days on market is and comparables and all those sorts of things. Comparables are a huge thing um, when valuing properties, like the, one of the main things comparing to those locations, land size improvements, floor plans, days on market and stuff like that. We also talk about how agents can sell you a property if you don't understand its real value, mm. uh, which is very, very important to understand. Now, there's so much value in this podcast episode, but it's not the only way that we can help you for free. Um, head to propertypals.au and head to our free resource section. You can download some of our calculators and our tools and also check out our how to increase your borrowing capacity when you are going to buy a, biz, uh, buy a property. So, yeah. Let's dive in. This is such a valuable episode. I'm sure you guys can love it. See you on the inside. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, and taxation advice from a qualified professional. All right, let's. How do tell me how do I value a property in the eyes of Sam Powell, a property valuer, certified property valuer, only looked at. 10,000 deals or something like yeah, that. Yeah, not many. That. Like, it's, it's between, <laughs> I'd say, seven and 10,000 properties. It's a lot, man. That's well, a lot. Well, that was actually, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but um, I think this is one of the reasons that we started the podcast, to be honest, is we were having conversations when I bought my last property working with you. And uh, we're like, damn, like, I'm just conversation on the phone, like, we should record this. It's so valuable. Yeah, yeah, that's actually where it originated from. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, you don't know what you don't know, and uh, there's a lot that I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that I don't know either. And, yeah, um, but I just everyone has their the unique skill sets. Um, I guess we're just sharing our journey, and mm. uh, I feel like a lot of people can get a lot out of it, and hopefully they can make smarter property decisions as a result. So, um, yeah. Well, so what what's the first step like valuing property? Yeah, what's the first step in in valuing a property? Like uh, we've been through how to find the locations and, and narrow them down in, in the previous podcast. Guys, if you haven't listened to them, go back and listen to them. Um, but, yeah, once you get the property, it's like, all right, how do I know how much it's worth? I mm. learned a bit through – I've done some property courses, as you know, um, <laughs> with some people that were doing methods that I've moved on from and realized that weren't the best. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, expensive marketing campaigns out there to get you to sign on to their courses or to their... So many dodgy people in property, hey? Well, I think they start with the best intentions in mind, um, but then, uh, you know, it, it is always changing as well. And one strategy is not for everybody, but um, it can be, I guess, sold that it fits one size fits all. Yeah, yeah. I did meet somebody cool through a couple of really awesome people through doing those courses anyway. One person that um, I bought a property with in a group and they flipped it and it was a house. Um, I forget where it was. It might have been Toowoomba. And they flipped it and they sent me a video of every week of their changes on the on the renovations um, and they just absolutely nailed it. And uh, what did I get? I think I got 10% on my money when money was not, getting any money from the bank. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, true. So 10% or like, was that a 12-month period? Uh, no, it was a, uh, It was supposed to be a six-month deal and they did it in four four months. So I got, yeah, it's 10% per month. What? 10% per month? I'm pretty sure it was 10% per so month. Four months, 40%. 
No, sorry, you're right. It was ten percent over the over the six months. Um, yeah, and if they did it in a shorter period, I'd still get the same same yeah. interest back. Yeah, devils in the details, people. Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, uh, that's all good. Yeah. Um, so the, the topic of this podcast is you know how to uh, value a property. Um, obviously, it's my skill set. Uh, I've been doing it for a number of years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Registered property valuer, certified practicing valuer. There's um, all these little caps that you wear, but in reality, it's just you do something long enough, you get good at it, and it's sort of second nature. So, correct. Um, there's always different types of properties. Um, in specifics, we're going to be covering the residential side. Um, I'll also touch a little bit on commercial. So, none cool. of this is this is just a free flying conversation. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just best to I mean, talk to you about what I know. So, yeah, um, there are. A number of different valuation methods. So people that get into the meat and potatoes of this topic will just jump straight into it. So yeah, let's go. Um, there's with, with residential primarily. There's the direct comparison method evaluation, and that is like with like. So you're directly comparing other properties that are similar to the property you're looking at to give you that gauge of what is this property worth. Step ha- yeah, step one. So the RP data, which is now called Logic. Yeah. Uh, using can you use that as a you know comparison um, tool? Yeah, so it's a paid website. Um, <laughs> you can also for the free stuff jump on realestate.com.au yeah. and domain.com.au. Go into the sold sections, and you can obviously scroll down to see what they're sold for. If they're not giving a price, call the agent. It's a great great resource. Um, agents, good agents, uh, and great agents. So we talk about the good, the great, and the shit. So. <laughs> What percentage are no good? Let's be real. I'd say majority. To be fair. <laughs> so ninety like, percent, maybe. Yeah. What's the, the, there's the 20 rule, right? Maybe we should talk about the difference between a good agent and a bad agent in another pod. Yeah, and that's how a, to spot the difference. It's a massive topic, and it's a yeah. big part of what um, I like to help people with is actually finding the best real estate agent. If you have to sell your property, there's a big difference between you know agent one, agent two, and agent three, and it's. Uh, it's a bit of a skill set that I've picked up over time to how to find the best ones that's going to give you that best result at the end of the day. Um, so we'll cover that in a little series, I reckon. I reckon so. Something that's... I reckon. How was it? <laughs> I reckon so. So, all right. Let's let's get back on track then. Yeah. Um, valuation. Comparable, compare, comparing it to the market. I know that when I'm valuing a business, people ask me, how do you value a business? And it's not just... You look at the business itself and different components of it. The way I look, like to look at it is what what are the risks involved with it and then what are the opportunities involved with it and then also the, the, the third area is the landscape of like what's the current market doing and that market that you're actually buying into and the comparables in there. Ooh, yeah. So they're the three main, the main, three main pillars that I use. Is that similar to property? So property we've got... Direct comparison, like with like, mm-hmm. the summation method, which is knowing what the land's worth or figuring out what the land's worth and then what the improvements are worth mm. uh, and then marrying those two together to get you to an end figure. And with residential, generally, you're looking at your primary method is your direct comparison and then you go into your summation as a you know, secondary check method. Okay. So um, what we do in that way, we, we find out what's the land worth what are the improvements worth today if it was a brand new property and then you're depreciating that over its lifespan. So, Okay, so you find out what the land's worth. How do you do that? You just look at comparable sales of land values Okay, in that area. So on CoreLogic, you can look at the just the land value of just yeah. so there's a house or a dwelling on it, but you can still just find out the oh, land. No, no, no. no. You've got to find land sales. Land sales, yeah. okay. So that can be difficult. Um there's obviously the underlying... Especially if it's a developed area, right? Yeah, very difficult. But what you're really doing with that land component is you, you there's no... It's very difficult to find like you know, the exact same property um, than the one that you're buying because there's always a different element. There could be different land sizes, <coughs> different aspects, slopes. Yeah, um, yeah, different gradients, services, topography, services, mm. um, amenities nearby. Like, you know, Even if you're buying a house... Um, I mean, some of the investment stocks that uh, we buy, they are very similar in these locations. So, you know, there might be five, ten grand difference in certain sales, but um, then you're going into that other element, which 
a lot of values don't put too much weight on it. Um, but it's, yeah, where is the market today and where is it sort of heading? So yeah. having that mindset is really important for people looking to buy a property. Um, a lot of valuers, they, well, they have to work in the past. They have to use actually sold evidence to justify the valuation bigger. Um, a free tool is you know, jumponrealestate.com. You can even search just land sales in that location. And then you break them down to a rate per square meter. And then you can kind of capitalize that out to say, well, you know, the rate per square meter of land sales run between 100 to $150 a square meter. I've got 700 square meters. 700 by 150 will give you a, a rough land value. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, the direct comparison is yeah, finding a similar, say, four-bed, two-bath, two-car house, mm. um, making sure it's sort of built around the same era, same build materials. Often that's very difficult to find because a lot of people will probably listen to this going, yeah, Sam, that sounds great. That's good in theory, mate. But then that's where, I guess, you start, in, your, in my mind, I'm jumping between, all right, well, there's different elements of this that's slightly superior here. So there's four key elements of a, um, a residential property that I look at, which is its location. Is it a similar location, inferior, superior? Um, similar to what you're comparing to it yeah. to. And by location, I'm talking like where is it positioned in that suburb? Is it in a cul-de-sac? Yeah. Is it on a state-based road with high traffic flow? Mm. Um, backing onto like a reserve or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Views are close a big to thing the beach. too. So like if how got, close to the beach and views and... Yeah, all those things that, you know, the common sense person would look at and go, oh, well, that's desirable. Mm. Well, if that's desirable more than the other property, then it's, you know, superior. Correct. So that's the words that we use in the property space, superior and inferior. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I do anyway, like comparable, superior, inferior. That's yeah. sort of how I was trained. It's what, yeah, what I learned in these courses and stuff that I've done. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so also what I learned is that when we're comparing is you, you want to compare to sales that are closest to the date that you're looking at purchasing the property. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, if something was sold a year ago, the market, there's so much change in that market in just that local suburban area. And is that actual comparable because it's so far that, that so far away from like it's a year ago. But there's some some cases that may actually only be the last sale in that area that is a comparable, which makes it difficult to you to get a really good judgment of the value of that property at the current market rate, right? So Sometimes you just need to work with what you've got, I guess. Step into my office, mate. Yeah, step into my office. <laughs> so yes. Licking your lips. I'll quickly, so there's location. Uh, we talked about that. Then there's um, the land size for housing. Mm. And by that, obviously, the larger the land, obviously, the more valuable it can be. Um, and then you're also looking at the improvements. So there's four elements, location, land, improvements, and market conditions. Oh, okay. So market conditions are exactly what you touched on. Yes, it was 12 months ago. Mm. Uh, often, that is like the, the best sales you can find are obviously within the street, but you don't. Within the street, within sold within a month. Oh, yeah, that's the dream. That's the dream, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, not, very often, it's not the case that yeah. they're there, but you're basically taking those four key elements and you, you're putting your thesis together as to what you think it's worth. So, um, I go through that, do that with residential property. Um, so let's go through each of those. Let's go through market conditions and then through the other three. Is there anything else to touch on the market conditions? Well, or does market conditions usually come last? Like market conditions, all just in my hierarchy. Okay. It, it's just the way I've always been. I mean, I've developed out these obviously that teams process, and, yeah. and processes when you're buying property and that's how I visually look at it. And it's also great for our team to, to check um, when they're going through all right, it is superior, inferior. Well, is that a superior overall property or is that you know, mm -hmm. comparable? So location, we've touched on that. Land, we've touched on that. Um, just understanding, like, is it larger or smaller? Um, and then the improvements, well, what's the level of improvements that are on that um, block of dirt? Is it you know, a four-bed, two-bath with a pool, modern house, mm -hmm. and your one, the one you're trying to buy is a four-bed, two-bath with two cars that was built in 1990? So... Yeah. So that's a superior improvement. And then the market conditions, well, um, you need to be sort of really 
in the market to know where you're sort of sitting. So um, there's two ways you can justify this for everyone out there. Um, when you're buying, you want to know, well, yes, there was a sale six months ago. What was the market condition like then? And this is the biggest downfall that most buyers are, are having is because they come into a market generally for three months and they're trying to buy within that 90-day pre-approval period. And they're looking at sales mm-hmm. in the past. They're like, oh, well, that sold for a million dollars you know, six months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very similar to probably we're looking, looking at, I only want to pay a million dollars. And I say, fantastic. <laughs> uh, I know you only want to pay a million dollars, but... At the moment, from where we were six months ago to where we are today, it's actually a, yeah, a more competitive market, so prices are increasing. Mm-hmm. And that's where you've got to find not only sales that are in the direct vicinity, but also sale, like really recent sales within the last, you know, ideally, one to two months. Uh, but that three-month period, you can actually do that search on realestate.com. You can break down what was sold in the last three months, six months, yeah. last month, and, yeah, then 12 months. So. Would you, I want to come back to median sales price and realestate.com.au. So I'm just going to like, we'll double click on that soon. But I want to, I want to touch on the, (laughs) I want to touch on um, if the market is moving like fast in that 90 day period, like something sold for six, something sold six months ago for a mil and you can't really find that many comparables in that one sort of area or that one suburb. If you went to a a suburb adjacent to it, that has a, a recent sale that is sort of similar uh, to the property you're looking at purchasing in the other suburb and that was sold a month ago and then there was something that was sold six six months ago. Could you look at the the growth of something that was at a million that sold for like 1.1 within that six months of that adjacent property and see like, okay, that linear growth rate may be similar to the suburb that I'm using and would that help you give you a valuation on the price? Oh, well done. It's good. So this is where the data point. I just made that up. No, it's great. So <laughs> I, I lean on data as well. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of valuers out there that, that are really great at what they do. Um, I learned a lot going coming out of that space and going into actually buying property for people. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a completely different mindset. And also, you're not just move, walking in. There's a lot more at play when you're buying for people because it's... Like it's their money and you want to do the best thing by it. You don't want to spend too much, um, but you don't want to miss out on a great opportunity either. So mm. there's, a, there's a real balance there. So you've got to be, I feel you've got to, it forces you to be a much more accurate um, appraiser mm. as you go. But um, there's a lot of data out there now. So if what I do for that case is if there was that sale in six months, six months ago, I look at what had that um, suburb done on a growth rate over the past six months, and you can go in, you can find that data, you can find three months or 12 month um, growth rates, mm. and you can even apply that. So if it went for a million dollars, I like round figures, and it's um, that suburb has grown 6% in the past you know, six months or 12 months, then you, know, you go, well, we just add 6% on top of that a million dollars. So. You can kind of go well you know, based on that. You know, you're still looking at that. You know, one to million and fifty, yeah, one point one sort of range, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, okay, that's starting to make more sense. Um, and then you also lean on direct comparables as well to to have a look around. Um, if you do need to go into that adjacent suburb, uh, some people don't know whether it's a superior suburb or not. And a, a quick little check method which I use um, just because I buy around Australia as well. Um, just Google, uh, go on realestate.com or um, uh, mul- multiple different websites and go, what's the median house price for houses in that location? Mm. And it's, it's a quick little gauge. and It's not always accurate, but it's just an extra layer of research you're putting on top. And if you say in like in Sydney, um, you could have uh, a location that is the median house price is you know, $1.2 million. And then in the location you're buying in, like say Epping at the moment, um, it could be you know, 1.3 and you're like, oh, well, they're very similar, um, but Epping is seen as slightly superior mm. um, based on median house price. But then you also need to zoom out and go, well, where is it that people want to be? So having that, that local knowledge of- In that suburb. Yeah. Where like, do they want to be in that suburb? What streets? Yeah. Or even just like generally with Sydney, people want to be closer towards the city, so yeah. house prices. And that that is- 
pretty common for most locations. Um, Gold Coast is a bit different because it's linear in that you know, you'd get the Bodies who live up north in Runaway Bay, Hope Island, um, and then you get the coast surfers who want to you know, be Burley, Palm Beach, Coolangatta, right? So, and then yeah. you get the in the middle, the people who want to be out in, you know, like this, the um, the rural rain. residential locations. Uh, yeah, maybe the rain depends on purchase price. Yeah, but yeah, they, um, there's some quick little tips and tricks to help you justify that. Um, and what you're really doing is gathering your like a, like an understanding based on comparable sales evidence as to what this property is going to be worth. If you are still unsure, then you're going into breaking it down, going, well, what's the land worth and what are the improvements worth? With investors, there's also the capitalization approach, which is mm. taking the income and going, well, what are these properties selling for on a, we call it a yield basis? Mm-hmm. So if you have an income of, um, say that property is earning $25,000 a, a year in rent yeah. and um, you have a purchase price at $500,000 to get the yield, you divide 25000 by 500 to, to bring to get the yield. The, yeah. um, and that's a very common approach for commercial property. Mm-hmm. Um, they mainly lean on the, the income, so that's your primary uh, method. Well, there's financing based on the income alone yeah. in commercial compared to resi. Yeah, and Resi is less weighty because there's more owner-occupiers in that space. Yeah. Um, and it's very difficult. When you say less weighty, like you mean less... People don't like put as much um, weight on the capitalization approach with residential. Yeah, okay. Uh, and that's like when you start buying in these uh, like property or you're going to auctions or you, you're putting bids on, you can do all the research in the world and you might be the most accurate in your assessment of where value sits. However, you're competing against emotional end users and you can't, that's what I say to clients, you, I can't uh, value human emotion yeah. of the day, but I can understand the heat in the market and say, well, this is a scarce asset that um, doesn't come up too often. So yes, all the comparables are saying it's worth a million dollars. However, I'd be going in with that mindset of, you know, what are you willing to walk away from this property for? Mm. And often, unfortunately, it just takes time to educate people. They see that and they're obviously, um, they don't know me prior to this so that they've got their, um, a bit of a guard up as well. Yeah. And they're they're like, well, you're just convincing me to try and buy for a million and 50 when it's only worth a million dollars. And to which I say, it's completely fine. Um, Let's just have a go. And then they'll see that oh, actually the heat in that market and they've lost that property now. Let's talk about this in terms of like a use study or a case study and it might be worth using um, through the current market, well, not the current market now, but what the market was at the time through COVID in Palm Beach for my cousin, Geordie. Oh, yeah. I think that'll be good. Uh, we don't need to mention prices and whatnot, but um, he, he knew you and... Um, wasn't like didn't have his he wouldn't have had his guard up too much, but still would have had some emotions on around how the market was moving. So he 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 did what we mentioned in our last podcast episode. If you're going to buy as an owner occupier, he moved up here and he rented, worked out where he wanted to live, fell in love with the place, mm-hmm. the suburb, and then was just looking at that suburb, right? And then um, you were chatting to him around buying here and the market was going gnarly it was just yeah. nuts right like i learned a lot during that time too yeah so i want to i want to hear what you learned during that time but also what was happening in that in that time where you were valuing properties in this specific area for geordie mm. and and what people could learn from that because I, I i you know geordie's like one is one of my best mates right <clears throat> And we talked about this and I knew that there was a lot a lot in there and they really wanted to live in Palm Beach. Like it was a, an emotional buy. And they bought emotionally very well. Like if you're going to buy with emotions, I think they did really, really well. And they've done well with their purchase. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us like what, what was going on from like, all right, Sam, help me find a property in Palm Beach to buying one and then all the stuff in between because that was – 
that was intense. Yeah, well, that, that, that caught us both, like, definitely caught me off guard, and there was a few we missed out on um, as a result. But mm. I mean, during that time, uh, I think Palm Beach increased like 30 to 40% over an 18 month, um, two year period. Isn't that insane? Though? It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. and that's that's what caught me off guard in that um, looking at comparables and the price point we were playing in. I mean, nothing justified what people were paying for you know, properties at that time yeah. because there were just you know, limited supply that's out there. And people, they what they do, the psyche of the buyer, they go in, they get all their pre-approval, they do their research, they understand what it's worth, or they think they understand what the property's worth, mm. go in, they miss out on it. Okay, that happens so, so many times to Geordie, yeah. right? And you get yeah. you get so emotionally built up. Oh, I can see myself in this property. It's yes, right, I love yes. it. Yes, you know, like, and then um, it comes down to you know getting your your wallet out, and um, <laughs> people don't have wallets these days. So you know, <laughs> get your phone out. Yeah, you know. yeah. But, um, the, the, for the paying, I guess, the contract price, um, and they they get nervous and they they're wondering, well, I don't believe what the real estate agent's telling me. And you shouldn't believe what the real estate agent is telling you. Because you say you shouldn't. No. Good. No, no, no <laughs> I mean, why? Why? I know why because I know this is the same with a property. I mean, a a, buy, a broker in online businesses. Why to not believe what they're saying? But tell me, why? Why should you not believe a real estate agent that's selling your property? Well, it's their job to get the highest sale price possible for the seller, yeah. not for you to buy the property. Mm-hmm. So, so who are they working for? They're working for the seller. Yeah. 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 And that's, like, I mean, over in America, um, they have buyers and seller brokers that work together as a team. They generally take a 6% commission and they split it between the two of them. Oh. And then what that's doing is giving, uh, there's people like you know, myself that we're in the market buying every day. We understand the ins and outs. Um, real estate agents, they show they, they, the good ones um, and the great, well, great ones definitely do, the good ones do. They train in scripts and dialogues to extract that emotional premium out of you and to, and to push you down certain thought paths um, thinking that there's greater competition and mm-hmm. uh, when you're doing it one-off which Australia's, Australians buy probably once every 11 years in Australia on um, average on average you're not prepared for it because they're doing it every single day it's like me trying to <laughs> change the fan the ceiling yeah. fan yeah. Um, like it might, I can do it it might take me I don't know a couple of hours yeah, um, to, I'm going to go buy the tools, understand how it all works. I could kill myself because there's electricians up there. Yeah, probably a bad example, but my point being is that um, an electrician could go in there and do it within 30 minutes. Yeah, um, and do a much better job. So, and also if they, uh, anything happens in the future, you can ask them to come Insurance back and, and, and fix it up. But yeah, yeah there's the whole psyche. So understanding going back to that story with Geordie is um, emotionally involved, missed out. Go again, yeah. get emotionally involved, you miss out. After a, a couple of times, like maybe three, four, and after going to heaps of open homes, people just get annoyed. They get so shitty. That's why a lot of people hate real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Is that, um, and, and it's not so much the real estate agents, it's just they don't understand the game that they're playing. Yeah. And then they get to a point where they go to a property, they've missed out on two, three, four. It's asking prices $1.2 million. And in the end, the agent's telling them, look, $1.4 million buys it. Yeah. Uh, and then they just go, you know what? If I can buy 1.4, let's just do it because I'm sick of this. Yeah. Um, and then they get that sets the new benchmark for market value for that location. Yeah. And then there's also the it, difference. Yeah, that's right. And that's important to understand is that, can, that drove the property prices up so much that the comparable, the newest comparable in that area was that new sale that was a high point. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is based off that. And a lot of it can be hot air. Like if somebody, something sells for like, and this is what they do in the media, right? Is like something is a record sale and they put it in the media and then everyone's like, wow, that area must be like killing it. Mm. And then that's the new precedent for that area. And um, it's... Well, you use that sale. And also value was used that sale. (laughs) Correct. To get more money for the next... And so... Well, to justify the next purchase. Which makes it scary for somebody who's buying. I remember you were saying, um, I remember Geordie told me that you said, told him like, or maybe you were talking to me about it. Um, If you just buy, it's going to like buy for, actually because he is being an owner-occupier, buy it a little bit more than the market value 
and it doesn't matter because you're going to be in it for 10 plus years yeah. and you're still going to get your you still it's still going to grow right you're not going to lose money if you're buying it for the if you're buying it is a long game versus well i'll jump in there i wouldn't say buy above market value no but i'd say your purchase price is going to be market value. Yeah. Like the definition Correct. of market value is willing buyer, What's... willing seller, local agent, arm's length transaction. Yes. And when you're going in and you're valuing property, they've seen that that purchase price may be high. However, you're having those conversations with the agent too. And if there's multiple backup offers around that similar purchase price, then that is the definition. That is the true definition of market, oh, market value. value. What people are willing to part, like cash that they're willing to part with for yeah. that deal. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, there's obviously economic cycles and things can turn down, but at the time, they've got multiple buyers. That's that's market value. You have to pay market value to get into those properties. Um, it's just shifting that mindset to go, well, there are comparables. However, given the heat, mm. what's the scarcity? Because you can go to a real estate agent and say, well, I'm not paying X, Y, Z because there's that house in the same street across the road, like classic example is a property I'm working on at the moment. Um, it, across the street, there was a sale at $2.3 million. Next door went for 2.6. The agent's asking 2.5, really wanting 2.7. Mm. Um, a lot of different variables in that, in that um, the property itself is uh, the floor plan's rubbish. You know, like they're calling it a six bedroom, three bathroom house. Yeah, it's probably got the study that's not yeah, really a bedroom. It's really like a yeah. big walk in wardrobe and a um, you know, parents' retreat, <laughs> and calling that. Uh, and then the parents' bedroom. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, but the clients that we're buying for, they're looking at a $2.3 million sale across the street saying, oh, well, um, that's that's where we think it sits. And I'm like, well, what about next door that went for 2.6? Mm. It's a sort of a similar, it's a bigger house, yes, but it's not as modern inside. Mm. And also, you've got to look at, well, the psyche of buyers are also looking, they have access to those sales. So they can go in, most people know realtor.com sold section. Yeah. They'll be sitting there going, well, is it 2.6, 2.3? We've missed out on a couple of properties around this area that's running around 2.4, 2.5. The agent's saying, you know, 2.7 buys it, but the guy price on it's 2.5. This is where it gets so convoluted and people just get so lost in it. But um, mm-hmm. what I'm also looking at is like I'm looking at the land size, the layout of the property, the floor plan, the renovation. Is it you know, of a high end or is it not? And then um, looking at how long has it been on the market for? It was on the market for... Yeah, you know, seventy days went to auction, got passed in an auction, and didn't sell. Whoa, dude, you're just fire hosing us. <laughs> like, let's 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 take a breather and talk about one of those things in of itself. So we've got lands, we got land. We basically talked about land value, so we can we can move past that one. But then you you spat out days on market. You also spat out. Um, what was the other thing that you spat out? Well, it was that it went to auction and passed in? Yeah, being passed in. Guide, so guide prices too. Agents are guiding you to a certain, and then area. also the um, inferior, the building being inferior, which we basically talked about. Mm. Um, but also the 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 plan, the floor cool. plan. So let's talk about floor plan. Let's talk about being passed in, and then days on market. So floor plan, floor plan first, yeah, um, and then being passed in, and well, then days on market, then being passed in, because that'll be a linear path, I guess. So owner so, occupiers are looking for uh, a. Floor plan that um, it's beneficial to their lifestyle. Like, yeah, um, there's a lot of places that say this house is a two-story house. So upstairs was a bedroom. They mm-hmm. were calling. There was three bedrooms upstairs, and there was a bathroom. And then downstairs was another um, three bedrooms and a bathroom. And oh wow! Uh, but there was no direct ensuite to the master bedroom. So the way I looked at it was like most. Everyone wants an ensuite if you if you're a parent if you're a parent, anyone like you don't yeah buying a house that's got two bathrooms without an ensuite it holds it back it's yeah not a strong floor okay floor. that's that's a really good point and that's why I looked at the upstairs and I said well that's one that room there's a room up there it was two point four meters wide by like three meters mm-hmm. um, long so you look at that and that if you go and get a tape measure and go measure out two point four meters it's tiny. Like you can, it's nothing. You might get a queen bed in there with like no side tables, and that's like that's not the true definition of a bedroom in my eyes. In my eyes, three meters by three meters with a built-in wardrobe and a window is a standard bedroom size. Yeah, um, all around Australia. Like generally, you might get a two point eight. 
Like this is like what we're in now is a standard bedroom size. Yeah, it's big post three, three by three by three. And this this was two point four. We'd feel a lot more claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're probably sitting a bit closer together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and then that it was a similar layout too. So understanding what constitutes a bedroom, just because you put a wall and a door and there might be a a, a road window in there, or something, yeah, yeah, it doesn't uh, mean it's a yeah a bedroom in, in my eyes but agents are there to sell the property yeah and that's the that's the common that's a common thing that most people would see with a study that is like yeah no this is the bedroom what's the legislation on that are they allowed to call it a bedroom a study when when can they legally call a study a bedroom oh well for sales purposes there's no real defined uh, so so a two meter just straight up two by two could be a bedroom but it's actually a study. When, like, how do you fit a bed in there? Like, yeah. a bed's like 180. Queen bed's like 180 by something, right? Well, that's it's just like, the, the buyer coming and going, that's not a bedroom. That's a- So it's based on the, the market. The yeah, market perception. determines whether it's a bedroom or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, there's no real definition on that front, so it's a good question. The biggest definition is the ceiling height. So if you're not 2.4 metres, you're not a classified living area. Yeah, so two point four meters high, but yeah. it's lesser than it's not a living area. Yeah, yeah. So you get that with like so two story houses that have that low clearance underneath. People build them in, they put kitchenettes, and mm. like it, there is a bedroom there, but legally you're not able to rent out that as a room because it doesn't fit code. Okay, on that front. So, um, and like there would be like the building codes that would define what a bedroom is from a builder's point of view. Um, I'm just not privy as to what measurements they put in but you see all the time agents that just it's a room and they call it a bedroom because you can't put a bed in it yeah and i'm like okay cool man but (laughs) i don't see that as a bedroom it's based a base it's based on what somebody's willing to pay for that floor plan then yeah and pretty like more like a window is key to any bedroom um, but then now, like even some of the units that have been built now, they've got relaxation where it's not actually a window; it's just a like it's a window frame that opens out into additional living room in the uh, unit. Oh no way! So there's no sunlight, so it's not direct to outside. No. Okay. So and then that's classified as a bedroom, but it's still that you know, three meters by three meters. Yeah, and two point four high. So land. So um, not land. Talking about floor plan, is there any other things that we should be considering? Like you mentioned. The walk the the walk-in robe. You also mentioned the uh, ensuite bedroom study sizes mm. uh, layout. I guess layout for yeah, children where they want to sleep, which we talked about in a previous episode. Like where where you want your children sleeping in the house compared to where you may want to be sleeping in the house, and then living areas. I've looked at I've looked at um, deals where they've got two separate living areas, and I'm like, why is why don't they just cut one living area either into a bedroom or just make that whole thing a living area and make it far more open plan? Yeah. So that's a that's an opportunity for growth. Yeah, it's a renovation where you can manufacture that opportunity into it. Yeah, um, which is good. But yeah, generally, um, two story homes are more difficult to understand uh, from a floor plan point of view because some people like like parents with teenagers like to get away from it their kids and mm. they want to live upstairs but generally like especially if, as an as a parent yourself and a, like it's this is your domain right like mm. you kind of want to be on that ground floor if anything anyone comes into the property or anything happens to your kids you want to be that protector from that environment so i like that um good floor plans generally they offer those like multiple opportunities so you could get a um the master bedroom you know, upstairs and that's still a strong floor plan but you've got all the bedrooms for the kids that are surrounding it mm-hmm. um, and then the kitchen's downstairs with maybe a, an office or a, um, a, a a fifth bedroom with a that you can use as a guest room it's good floor plan it's universal so things like that are important um, going down to floor plans too I mean this is going to probably be like a could stay here for hours but um, good what? Could stay here for hours. Oh, yeah. this sort we'll, of move, stuff. we'll move on to days on market next. But just a few little tips and tricks. And obviously, if you ever have more questions, I can't cover everything in a podcast. But yeah, um, and, and yeah I probably could go write a book about it. But um, that doesn't light me up at the moment in what I want to do with my life. So mm-hmm. um, just reach out with any questions. But uh, another key one, which I find is uh, properties with pools, 
You love pools, probably swim pools. Well, I don't like the guys. <laughs> I don't like the investment because it's a drain on the cash flow. But yeah. um, the uh, if you've got a family, just think of it logically. Like if you've got a pool, you, more often than not, kids are playing in the pool, and the parents are in the living or the kitchen area. So having uh, being able to see, see the pool, yes, um, from your house, and it's also a um, from being inside the house is, mm. is really important. Mm. And um, from a livability perspective too, it's quite nice to look out onto your pool. We've got lights and a nice little landscaped area. So yeah, yep. um, fam- <coughs> families are your emotional drivers from that sense. So mm. if you can keep those few things in mind, it's, it's quite important. And also stairs, aging demographic, uh, people don't like stairs that much. Um, like, like from what I'm gathering and also your maintenance too, on um, probably for two stories. Yeah. If you do get it painted, you need more scaffolding yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. So in essence, and this is going to be very generalized what I say now, so take that with a grain of salt, guys. In essence, with a floor plan, a floor plan that is does not have the best living situation can uh, detract yeah, detr- and, and lower the price versus one that's got a really awesome layout, good living area can increase the price. Very general, so there's going to be shades of grey in between that, right? But is that a general, yep. generally a good way to go? All right, days on market now. Oh, just quickly, the, the, the trap on that is, and the property that I'm looking at too and why I don't think it's worth you know, $2.7 million, back to the example, is that mm. um, there's comparables that can justify $2.7 million. Don't get me wrong. The floor plan's rubbish. And, uh, <laughs> Say it like it is. Yeah, so if you like they're saying it's a six-bed, three-bathroom, three-car, if you go and find comparable six bed, three bathroom houses around that area, you'll be like, oh, wow, you know, 2.7? Yeah, I, yeah 2.7, I, I 2.8 maybe, yeah. But um, you've got to look into the actual floor plans, the properties that you're using as comparables mm-hmm. and, and see the flow and, and also looking at you know, the size of the improvements, living area. So there's a, it's very complicated um, mm-hmm. from that sense, but then you've also got to add on, well, you know, I also look at it at where is the agent directing people from a mental, from a psychological point of view, uh, and they're going to be going well. Next door's off two point six. Yeah, you know, you know, it's a bargain if you get it for you know two point. I, I said walk away price was two point five. The, the agent, so that okay, that's good to know. So the agent is going to say like this sold for the X amount, and it's, it's comparable, and this one is like they sell you on the idea that it's like a six bedroom and three cars. So you could have like a four family and then you've also got a guest bedroom and you've also got like a spot for your guests to park their car because it's three cars mm-hmm. and you can have two. They're going to sell it to you like that, right? They're not going to sell it to you like, oh, um, you know, just be cautious of like maybe this isn't like the biggest size bedroom or mm-hmm. yeah, I, I we're not happy about the, uh, the main bedroom not really being linked to an ensuite, but you get that that you know what you would be thinking in your head they're not saying they're selling it in they're selling the vision of what it would like to live there without the realities of that the value of the asset yeah the practicality of yeah. Yeah. yeah the practicality and the actual raw value of the asset too and also they're like this the sales agents they've got the seller that, like go understand their situation too so mm-hmm. delving into that is a key part of like accurately understanding where value sits. Obviously, it's sort of and we need it. We we really do need to do that episode on um, finding the right agent to sell your property mm. based yeah. on based on like agents that will come in. Do you remember our our best mate Jolie? His parents' place. They were selling that, and mm. the agents said they could get a mozza for it, like a lot oh, of money mate. for it. Let's not go down that. Okay. We'll cover this. There's, we'll cover it. That's a big That's part a good of- story. That's a good story to cover in that episode. So floor plans, <laughs> days on market, days yeah. on market. So with days on market, what the longer the thing's been on market, the more sentiment that the market has that it's not worth the price that they're asking for. Yeah, so so that's you, a probably a general sense, but I want you to dive into the, the nuances of that if you can. Welcome to the world of the psychological side of buying property, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That sort of there's goes, so much in it too. Yeah, so going back to like looking at putting a figure on your walk away price as well, is it's important to understand you know, if you really want that property, having those conversations with the agent, it, it helps me to understand where they're positioning their buyers. Mm. And a lot of buyers, majority of buyers are, are uneducated. 
even the buyers agents that are out there, <coughs> it's like the eighty twenty rules. Same with the um, real estate agents. A lot of a lot of them. Yeah, they're but there are some good ones that we will recommend shortly. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they're positioning people on, on what the agent thinks it's worth and giving them comparables. And agents are very educated in the market because they're they're so niche. They generally work out of say two to three suburbs, and they just constantly they know what's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're up against that. And then if they're positioning people from a psychological point of view, it may just be that they're like that's a price that. If you really want that property, you may have to pay it. You may have to stack up and pay it. But that's where the art of negotiation comes in and you're not going to really know whether the agent's completely bullshitting you or not mm. until you start, you spark up the negotiation and you feel them out from how they respond and things like that. So, yeah. We'll um, get into another pot on negotiations, I guess. Yeah. So with the days on market, that is room for negotiation though. Yeah, well, days on market, you can you can start to see through the cracks and the bullshit. Yeah. Um, so if yeah. the property's been on the market for a while. What's a while? Over 60 days. Over 60 days is a long time, right? Yeah. And so all, even 45 days is getting on. Well, it say? depends on the market you're in too. Yeah. You know, some owner-occupiers might be buying in a market that just isn't as hot. Rural. So, yeah. Yeah. So, more days on market for rural. Yeah, but you can you can also understand what the medium days on market is through the data. Yeah, so right. in core logic, you can look at the comparables and then see how long they were on market for yeah. before they sold. Yeah, yeah, and then you look at the, this subject property and you're like, well, say the the median sitting there at forty five days. This has been on there for seventy days. Mm-hmm. Why? And there's multiple reasons why. It could be that it went to contract, fell over due to finance, and had to get put back on the market. Yeah, although they didn't take it off the market, but they just you know relisted the price um, mm-hmm. and that could drag it out and that's a negative that's a rough case for a buyer for a seller yeah you, you don't want unfortunate that. for everybody in that transaction yeah as a buyer because people do get that psyche where like they drive past or they see it and they're like oh that still hasn't sold there must be something wrong with it yeah and they just that's but, just what people do they move on to the next one yeah but you could get, pick up some deals in that yeah, well, right? yeah I know people that definitely go around hunting for higher days on market but there's a lot of traps in that as well, um, which is they're going around hunting for a bargain, but in reality, it's on the market for a long time because it's a shit asset. Yeah, so this is the same with businesses. People want to start in a lower, um, they want to buy and acquire a business for a lower amount and they want to dip their toes in the waters, but they're buying a, a very inferior asset and I like to say you get what you pay for and I'm going to, um, and that's very general, but I'm going to throw out Warren Buffett here um, something that I mentioned as well. It's better to buy, if they say this in business, but I'll, I'll relate it to property. It's better to buy a property, it's better to buy a good property at a good price than a fair property at a fair price. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, it will compound over time to the, the growth rate and then if you ever do go to sell it, um, regards the market you're in, and that's the mindset I put on too, which when investing or buying property is, how would this, if I had to sell this property in a down market or a poor market, mm. would I be able to do it? It's a really good thing to think about with worst case scenario, like if you were buying something. Yeah, because there's always a buyer for yeah. a property, more yeah, so at the, the, resi- at, the, at the price. Yeah, yeah, at the price, yeah. But if you're, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the hype and they just. They, they make sacrifices on locations. They buy a fair property, mm. and that fair property is not going to fare well in a poor market. Correct. Correct. It's going to be the last one to typically sell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's how I look at it too. And I mean, it's obviously served me well. And a lot of I've seen it happen time and time again. I've seen that many properties that, uh, especially going through that GFC period, um, valuing properties through there, there's long days on market. And whilst it might be worth, around figures, million dollars, like through comparables, you say that's a million bucks every day of the week. Mm. Um, classic example is actually during COVID, um, there was this property that it was on the, on the water, like all comparables put it at um, $1.3 million. And, um, there was a contract on it at 970 because the guy who was wow. selling it had to get rid of it. He was basically saying, oh, I've got a development opportunity. But in reality, like the further I dug through, he was actually in financial hardship and he had to sell that asset in order to, I guess, pay off his debts so he doesn't go bankrupt. Mm. And that I looked at and I was like, damn. So he had a contract on it for 970 with somebody else and I was trying to sell for 1.3. No, the comparables in that, like there was there were like little townhouse complexes all in the water so 
and I could go back and see because they were all very similar. Yeah. Like in build material, build age, layout, on the yeah. water aspect, everything like that. I mean, this was east to water. I remember it like yesterday. And um, that's a superior aspect than opposed to west to water. And there was yeah. west to water selling at $1.2 million. Uh, and there was a couple of east to water that sold, say, um, a few months prior for $1.3. 1.4 even um, so in my eyes I was like this is a bargain like so so tell us about the 970 where's the 970 thing coming from just so we can understand well he had to put it on the market and so an agent had it and it was in, it was at the right at that point of COVID where we all thought that the world was going to fall apart we're all going to become zombies and just so die. like March April 2020 yeah 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 I'll come back from Japan around that stage where yeah. oh um, that's right yeah yeah people were basically being told Go get, like, shelter up. Yeah, lock st- it up. Stay at home. Lock up your doors. Wear masks and don't go outside in the sun where you can get good vitamin D, which would be helpful. You can spare us, eh? Yeah, we won't uh, go down this route. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just saw that and I was like, well, this guy had to sell that asset. And if you have to sell an asset, you have to take the price someone's willing to pay for it. And there was someone who was there who had the money to pay in that figure mm. and he had no other buy on it. So he sold it, and he basically forego a couple hundred thousand dollars because mm. he didn't have the. He pushed he himself know. to the limit where, yeah, he stressed himself out from his obviously financial position, mm. and yeah, he, he lost. Desperate, desperate times. Yeah, yeah. So to wrap this one up, Sam, it's a hard one to wrap up because there's so much in value in a property. So oh, this is like a step one, isn't it? But this, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do more and more. And if you do like these kind of things, um, more than happy to talk about it because this is just comes naturally to me. But yeah. um, there's many elements to it. And that's just like we're just scratching the surface on the residential side. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's obviously the commercial side as well. But there's um, a lot of value that you can get out of even just talking to, I guess, real estate agents, property valuers. Listening um, to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's a few little nuggets there that hopefully people got some, some value out of. Yeah, there's definitely you're just showing us this this bit of meat that we're ready to start chewing on through this pod. So yeah, guys, there'll be more pods coming out uh, around valuing about uh, this is all gonna be about valuing a property really, whether you're gonna be on the buy or the sell side. So yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, yeah thanks for your time and uh, well, help us help help us help you, right? Like that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. So, um, all the questions, send them through. Hello at propertypals.au is our uh, email address, and um, yeah, let's let's try and get more education into your into your ears. Peace out, see you guys. <laughs>